Welcome and thank you for joining us today on our podcast. I'm Marvin Telemontis, the pastor of River Rock Fellowship. Hope this inspires you and builds up your faith and helps you to see that God is moving in your life. Enjoy the message. Today, as we close out our series, I want to share with you a story that demonstrates how God's grace brings peace and calm. What do I mean by this? Essentially, as people, we have a tendency, if we're honest, to doubt God. Am I the only one with a hand up on that one? Anybody ever doubt? Yeah. Good. Thought I was going to have to pray for everybody in this place. When doubt slips in, everything in our lives can seem to just get completely out of control, to get a little chaotic. It's our doubt that can lead to fear, and our fear can erode our faith. So today we're talking about the peace that comes from God's grace into our lives and His everlasting love and faithfulness. So we're going to talk about a gal named Sarah. Now, Sarah is married to a guy named Abraham. God makes a promise to both Sarah and Abraham that even in their old age, God's going to give them a son. And Sarah has a real hard time believing this. The Bible says that upon hearing the promise that Sarah, in, in her own quiet way, she actually laughed. It'd be like going, I don't know, to somebody who's older, and I'm not going to pull any names out, but say, hey, you're having a baby, but this time next year. And that's exactly what happened. Right there. She giggled. She laughed. You got to be kidding me. But you see, God is in the business of the impossible. So let's look at it. Let's go to Genesis chapter 18, verse 9 through 14. And it says here, verse 9, Where is Sarah, your wife? Now these are those messengers that came to speak to Abraham about what God was going to do. They're here to give a herald, right? Hark the herald, the angels sing. That means they come to bring a message. The visitors asked, and Abraham answers, She's inside the tent, Abraham replied. Then one of them said, I will return to you about this time next year, and your wife Sarah will have a son. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent. So think about it this way. So all of a sudden, um, they're right over here, and they're having their conversation, and she's in the tent. Now, the thickness of a tent, right, it's just a sheet. And you know what she's doing? She's right up with her ear right up against the material, the tapestry, and she's listening. And when I'm paying attention, she does the next thing. I'm going to have a baby? And she laughs. So here it is. Sarah was listening to this conversation from the tent, verse 11. Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time. He was about 90 and she was about 80. And Abraham and Sarah were both very old by this time, and Sarah was long past the age of having children. Verse 12. 
So she laughed silently to herself and said, How could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially my master, my husband, is also so old? Then the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh? Man, talk about straightening up in a heartbeat. Why did she say, can an old woman like me have a baby? What? She was thinking those things. Is anything too hard for the Lord? I I could just preach on that for an hour, couldn't I? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Wow. No doubt, no shakiness in the voice. This is going to happen. See, God works a miracle in this story. So in our lives, in our own stories, this is a question I want us to wrestle with. Here it is. What happens when God's grace shows up to sustain us in the midst of our doubts, our chaos, and our fears? What happens when God makes the impossible possible? Now, if we're honest about it, for most people, their immediate response isn't, praise God, hallelujah. Their immediate response is shocked and surprised. Whoa. They're stunned. Because our expectations are overwhelmed that the impossible was now just made possible, and we're in awe. But that's how God works. And that's how that event testifies to the awesomeness of God. Not a trick, not a man, God. God. So it's no secret in the story that the promise from God caught Sarah off guard. I mean, Sarah actually laughed because the promise seemed so outlandish, so impossible. And Sarah's view, from Sarah's view of her own identity, all she could ever see herself was a barren woman who would never, ever have children. She had settled that that was her identity in life. I don't care if you're young. I don't care if you're old. Don't ever settle on something that is not of God. Your education, your money does not matter. What matters is how does God see you? And may His grace fall on you as He speaks His life. Remember, God spoke for six days and stuff kept happening. All of a sudden, there's stars. All of a sudden, there's water. There's land. All of a sudden, there's animals and trees and vegetables. God created everything just because he spoke it. And if God speaks over you, amen means so be it. But that's where my doubt wants to shut off the spigot. Now, the next thing we should do 
when God's grace shows up to sustain us, it's going to sound kind of strange. But one of the things you need to do when God shows up and he does the impossible, right? She got a promise that God was going to give her a son. Let me give you a little backstory here because this is important. Some people say, how did that happen? Especially if you're an older woman, way past, you know, that season of, you know, that menopause phase. You know, like way past that time. What's going on here? What a lot of the Jewish uh, rabbis believe and how they interpret that is that her body clock went in reverse until she got to the age of being able to bear children again. How many people want to be Sarah now, ladies? Isn't that incredible? And, and we know there might be a lot of validity to this idea and this concept because we know that wherever Abraham would go, everybody else said, Hey, uh, oh, no, who, is that your sister? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's my sister. Don't kill me. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did that twice. Numbskull. You don't do those things. But why did they say that? Because the scripture says she was so beautiful. So that's a miracle. And who knows? We see it in scripture. God can make time stop. And in this case for her, there's a good chance that he made the clock reverse on her body. Wow. Love to have that problem. Amen. So God shows up. His grace shows up to sustain us. And he does this incredible thing. What should we be doing? And I know it sounds really strange, but we should actually build an altar of remembrance. Not an idol, but an altar. Why? Because we're following the example we find with Abraham. Let's go to Genesis chapter 12. So God's grace is given, and it's there to sustain us, even on the internal things we may be struggling with. Things are out of control. We begin to lose hope. Have you ever been in that place? You were on fire for God. Great things were happening. And all of a sudden, you just, your head was down. You just started. You were doing it. You're going to church. You're reading your Bible. You're praying. But you just start losing it on the inside. Anybody? Anybody? Mine are really up. I actually shared with my wife this morning. I said, I'm so grateful to the Lord because I feel my hope coming back. You know, we all can get discouraged. We all can lose a little bit of hope. And then you grind and you just say, I'm, I'm just going to stay faithful because I may not have that passion I'm going to stay faithful because I know he's king. So here's a guy who's been faithful. We pick up on his story in Genesis chapter 12. We'll start at verse 1. And the Lord said to Abram, remember that was his name before he became Abraham. And Sarah's name was Sarai, spelled with an I at the end, before she became Sarah. Leave your native country, your relatives, your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. What? Leave everything? I'm going to go to a foreign land where I don't know the food, I don't know the language, I don't know the history. 
They're not going to appreciate my history. They're not going to appreciate my culture, my foods, their smells, my smells. What? And then God says, if you do this, here comes verse 2. I will make you into a great nation. Now you got my attention. I will bless you and make you famous. And you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth, all the families on earth will be blessed through you. Even if they don't even know it. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed and Lot went with him. That's his nephew. Abram was 75 years old when he left Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, and all his wealth, his livestock, and all the people he had taken into his household at Haran. He headed for the land of Canaan. When he arrived in Canaan, Abram traveled through the land as far as Shechem. There he set up camp beside the oak of Marah. At that time, the area was inhabited by the Canaanites. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I will give this land to your descendants. This is the promised land that Moses took his people to, but that was promised to Abraham generations before we get to Moses. Now here's the key piece. And Abram built an altar there and dedicated it to the Lord who had appeared to him. Did you catch that part? Abram built an altar. I, I like to refer to it more as a marker, that this would be a reminder of what God had done, that God had promised this, that God had promised this land to his descendants. All that God was doing, the change of Abram to Abraham from, Sarah to, from Sarai to Sarah, that Isaac was now born, that all this was happening. Here's the marker. Here's the altar. That what? That not only him, but maybe the future generations could go back and say, that's a historical moment. We need to remember this. Where are the altars in your life? Not, not the idol. Are there markers that you can go back to? And remember, <laughs> I remember going into my little closet when I lived at mom and dad's house as, as a teenager. And it talked about the prayer closet. I just so wanted God. I literally scooted the shoes over and got in the closet and shut the door on myself. So that I could be with God. And God would speak to me. So when I go by and I see that closet, my mom and dad's place, I'm reminded I met God there. My little flashlight, my little Bible, my prayer closet. Where are you having those moments where you can look and go, that's when God met me. We did a sermon series years ago when I was in Iowa and and it was the bad boys of the Bible. How many know there's a bunch of bad boys of the Bible? And how God used them. You know, there's a lot to learn from the bad, not just the good, right? And on the closing Sunday of the series, I opened up the altar. 
And I said, the word of God says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And I ordered a thousand cuff keys for handcuffs. And I had them put on little cards. I had the verse put out. And everybody who came up to the altar to be set free from whatever was plaguing them. I don't know, depression, addictions. I don't know, um, a horrible identity of oneself, a sin, whatever it might be. And as they all came, they got a handcuff key that they could put on their keys. I still have mine. It was a marker. It's a form of an altar. Has God moved in your life throughout the decades or just yesterday? Is there a marker? Is there an altar? Not an idol, but something that makes you remember well what God has done in your life about His grace. Find it. Make your altar. Make your marker. So you'll remember. It's when we remember well of the goodness and of the grace of God in the past that we have every reason to believe that God's grace can once again happen today. And not only for us, but for those we care and love. Those markers, I believe, helped Abraham have the incredible, consistent, faithful faith that he had that it's spoken of in Hebrews. Let's look at it in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8. It was by faith that Abraham obeyed when God called him to leave home, to leave Haran and go to another land that God would give him as his inheritance. He went. Can you all read it with me? Start at he ready. Begin. He went without knowing where he was going. Now that's faith. Can you go do something for God and say, God, I don't know what I'm doing, but you said to go, so let's go. Wow. That's Abraham. So the question, once again, is, is there an altar of remembrance, a marker that we need to build in our life, in our own lives? What miracles do you need to remember, to be reminded of? And when we think back and we remember what God did, we give God all the glory for His grace. So finally, the Bible teaches us to give God glory when we experience God's sustaining grace. So let's go back to that story with Sarah and Abraham, and let's see how that story ends. We'll look at verse 1, chapter 21, Genesis. The Lord kept His word and did for Sarah exactly what He had promised. I always read that and I'm reminded of going in to, you know, Luke chapter 22, where we see the, the communion and uh, the guys were sent to go to find this one guy who was carrying pitchers of water and then to go and ask the owner of the upper room. And, and what does it say? And it was exactly as the Lord had said. Isn't that great? So we find that same thought process right here. The Lord kept his word and did for Sarah exactly what he had promised. He became, she became pregnant. Ooh, sorry about that. 
she became pregnant, and she gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God said it would. And Abraham named their son Isaac. Eight days after Isaac was born, Abraham circumcised him as God had commanded. Abraham was 100 years old when Isaac was born. Sarah declared, now remember this, God has brought me laughter. All who hear about this will laugh with me. This was not laughter from doubt, but this was laughter from celebration and, and, and from thankfulness. Have you ever gotten such an incredible gift or a blessing? And what do you do? You, sometimes you just laugh. Oh, my goodness. And you start laughing. This is that kind of laughter. But before, when she heard it, when she was in the tent and she was spying on their conversation, she laughed in doubt. She had grown in her faith. And now she was celebrating because of God's faithfulness. Verse 7. Who would have said to Abram and Sarah, and this is Sarah speaking, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse a baby? Yet I have given Abraham a son in his old age. Isaac is finally born to Sarah and Abraham in their old age, and God kept his promise to them. But look at verse 6. It shows exactly who gets the glory for this. Look what Sarah says. God has brought. She gives all the credit. It's not her. It wasn't her special lotion, special treatments. It was God. And after laughing in doubt to God's promises, Sarah now sees herself being the fulfillment of God's promises, and she laughs in celebration. This is what God's grace does. God's grace sustains us in the midst of our doubt, of our unbelief, and our fears. It completely, God's grace completely transforms us from who we were to what God designed you to be, to what God literally wants to breathe His identity on you. See, sometimes we need to stop looking at ourselves the way we have looked at ourselves our whole lives and throw that concept out and just breathe in God's identity He has for you. And it might be not being a barren woman, but being a woman that represents the faithfulness of God's promise, His complete, miraculous hand be upon her. She started a brand new nation. To now we sing a song, right, in Sunday school. Father Abraham, have many sons. Y'all remember that? That comes from this story. From her having the first child for Abraham. Promised child, I should say. So, have you experienced some sort of breakthrough from God? Have you witnessed God's grace in a personal way? Have you given God the glory for it? Or have you been quiet? Have you said it out loud? Have you testified to this? It's so important 
that we stop and give God all the praise, all the glory for His goodness. Also, if you're here today and, and you've yet to experience this grace personally, I want to invite you to open up your heart, to open up your mind to Christ and to His grace. We've talked a lot about grace these last few weeks. That His grace is with us. That His grace sustains us. That it's for us. And I pray that, he would, that we would all experience God's grace. That brings peace in the midst of being in the fire. In the middle of your fear and your doubt. Sometimes I wonder, we know how bad fear and doubt is. But have you ever wondered just how bad shame is? You got something in your life that you feel shame over? So you hide it? You keep it a secret? I didn't want people to know that I was adopted. I didn't want people to know that, you know what, I'm so different than everybody else. That was the way I saw it. Last week when we talked, we talked about when we're weak, we're strong. Now I realize that my life story actually makes God's gospel strong in my life and not weak. But I was full of shame. Because I didn't know my origin. Was I the result of a one-night stand? Was I a result of a date rape? I, I don't know. I might have been a surprise to mom and dad, but I ain't no accident. God knew what he was doing. In Ephesians 2.8, it says that we're all saved by grace, lest any man should boast, Right? And that means that you don't have to work harder. That means you don't have to be better. That means you don't have to figure out all the things you think you need to figure out first. And it also means God doesn't care about your backstory because God has your future. And it's His grace that will sustain. He writes the final chapter. And all those other chapters just speak of His glory and His grace. Folks, it's Jesus. As we experience Jesus, we experience grace. The grace that gives us peace in ways we never thought possible. So whether you've been following Jesus for decades or whether you just started scratching the surface about God and His grace... Would you take some time today to consider all that God's grace means in your life? Because God's grace is with you. God's grace is for you. God's grace sustains you. And God's grace brings you peace. Give the Lord all your thanks for His grace and His love. Father, we've come before you. 
We all need your grace. We all know that without you, we're nothing. So let us pray. If there are people here who would say, I just, I want some of God's grace. I'm not justifying things I've done wrong. I'm, I'm not here to try to say I got it all figured out. But I do know is I need Jesus. I need his grace. I've been in the fire. I feel refined. But I feel somewhat lost. A little chaotic. Things kind of out of control. I need that grace to bring some peace. I need that grace to sustain me. I need that peace that internally I can know I can do all things through Christ who will strengthen me. I mean, if that's you with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, would, would you raise your hand up, even look up at me? And I just want to pray with you. Amen, amen. Yes, yes, yes. Wow. Yes. Yes. Father, I just pray for everybody. We all agree. We all need your grace. I pray, Lord, for those who are just bowing their hearts down to you right now and say, God, I'm sorry. God, forgive me. Set me free. Set this captive free, Lord. God, I just pray. Would you fill them? Would you fill them with your peace? Would you fill them with your hope? Will you fill them with your goodness? Would you fill them? That they'll know that they know if God is for me, who could be against me? That no weapons formed against me shall prosper. That greater he is he that is in me than he that's in this world. We come against those fears. We come against those, those doubts. And we come against shame. We bind that in the name of Jesus. God, I pray that they would take up the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, the loins of truth. Father, that wherever they walk, their feet, they, Father, would be shod with, with shoes, Lord, that would bring peace. God, give them that shield of faith. Give them the sword of the Spirit that they could fight the good fight. Lord, I'm always reminded that a Roman's uniform had no protection on their backside. <laughs> Help us not to backslide, Lord. Help us to, with you, fight the good fight. Lord, we lift up back to church Sunday next week. We pray you would just bring people who just need to hear about Jesus, who need the fellowship of the, of the saints, just to see other people who love God. That we'd all fellowship and break bread together. Enjoy our faith with one another. So Lord, we pray, thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' holy name we all pray. Will you say it with me, church? Amen. Well, we hope this message helps you to take your next step closer to Jesus. Here's a great question to ask yourself right now. How will I be different because of what I just heard today? 
Well, for more info about us, go to rrf.church or find us on Facebook. I'm Pastor Marvin thanking you for taking the time to join us.